Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Good evening. Good evening. I want to start off tonight reading a couple notes from some spiritual mentors of mine. One goes by the name Paul, the other by the name James. Paul writes, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. James writes to us, he says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. And I'll show you my faith by my works. Paul wrote a letter and it said, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Then he writes a letter to the Ephesians. Very bluntly says, look, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us, gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So when we first got together Sunday night, we, got, we dove into the Scriptures. We're in and out of Ephesians in a number of different ways. Sunday night, we came to the conclusion that we are all made in the image of who? Made in the image of God. And your friend, they're made in the image of who? And that person sitting next to you, image of that annoying person in your group, image of don't look at them. And I got news for you, if you didn't know who to look at, it was probably you. Monday night, we got together, and we learned that we are made to be a part of something that is much, much bigger than ourselves. If we're going to be part of this tapestry that is the kingdom, we need to understand that we have a role to play. And God has something so immensely incredible in store for us. And you get to be a part of something bigger. You get to be connected, not only with believers here and now, but if you're walking with the Lord, you're connected with the prophets of old, the apostles. And better yet, you're connected with Jesus Christ himself. Tuesday night, we reviewed the concept 
that Jesus never said, get your stuff together before you come to me. He said, come to me, and then we'll figure it out. And I'd be willing to bet most of your counselors, your small group leaders, most of them have a story of getting to Jesus and then figuring it out. And they'll be happy to tell you how Jesus radically changed their lives. Last night, I asked you a very simple but very important question. What are you going to do about Jesus? And it is with great joy, I know of at least one individual who last night committed their heart to Christ. And that is a big, big thing. And uh, counselors, leaders, if you know of any other stories, please, uh, please share that with me. Tonight we're going to explore a little bit further, and we're quite simply going to answer the question now. What's next? You guys have, in 24 hours, hopefully... In 24 hours, I'll be home with my wife, getting ready to go to sleep in my own bed. How many guys miss your bed? Oh, miss my bed. I miss my pillow. I should have brought my pillow with me. Tomorrow, when you guys are heading home, I will also be driving home with my son. So I figure I'll give you, come on up here, come over. It's my baby boy. Oh, I love this guy. I love him so much. So he is tall. So I could go on and on talking about this guy. How many of you honestly figured it out throughout the week? Raise your hand. So a lot of you did. There were a lot of you that tried to associate me with shorter kids. In my house, we don't do short. We do tall, all right? So as you can see, we have somewhat family, we have the same hair. We have the same muscle definition. You guys should have figured it out a long time ago. This is my baby boy, Javen. So everyone say hi to Javen. So I love being a helicopter dad. And the hardest thing to do this week was to stay away and give him his own space. Every time I saw him, I wanted to talk to him, ask him how he's doing. And he played right along. I mean, all week he pretended like he didn't know me. That means we're not stopping at Chick-fil-A on the way home. All right. So let's get moving. Let's go. We got all the good stuff figured out. I want to encourage you guys. How many of you ever heard the statement, you are the church of tomorrow? Anyone ever hear that phrase being used? Or students are the church of the future, and we need to pour into you because you're the future of the church. Uh, to that, I want to say very simply, hogwash. If you don't know what that means, talk to someone who's got a little country in them. They'll explain it to you. It means hooey. It is a false statement. You are not the church of tomorrow. This is a lie that the devil has perpetuated to get you off track and to change your mentality. Paul wrote a letter to Timothy. Timothy was a young man. This is probably something you've all heard time and time again. Let no one 
despise you for your youth, but sets the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Young man, young lady, God has set you up to start serving him now. Not later on, not when you grow up, not when you graduate high school, not when you graduate college, not when you get married, not when you have children of your own. Now. He wants you to serve him now. Let me show a few things from the scriptures. We're going to fly through some verses. I know some of you guys are taking notes. This is going to be very hard to keep up with. I can share it with you later. But I want you to see some elements of what every Christian, what every believer is, according to the scriptures. And this is in no particular order. Every believer is created for ministry. Ephesians tells us we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Every believer is saved from ministry. In 2 Timothy 1.9, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, for which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. All of you are called into ministry. All you believers are called into ministry. Peter writes, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I love it, marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Each one of you is gifted for ministry. 1 Peter 4.10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. You are authorized for ministry. Matthew 28, Jesus came and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You are commanded to minister. Again, in Matthew, it says, It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and gave his life as a ransom for many. You are, to, you are prepared. You are physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually prepared for ministry. In Ephesians, Paul writes, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. You are needed for ministry. In 1 Corinthians, he writes, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And ultimately, you are going to be rewarded according to your ministry. In Colossians, he tells us, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive an inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. God doesn't care how old you are. You can search all the scriptures. There's not an age requirement to start serving God. There's not an age requirement to start serving others. There's not an age requirement to start demonstrating the love of God. God doesn't care how old you are. He's just looking for willing 
people to serve him. He's looking for what we call fat students. Faithful, available, teachable. Come on, y'all. You know what fat I'm talking about. So here's the question you ask yourself now. Where are you serving the Lord? Right now, where are you serving? Back before COVID hit, maybe a couple years before that, before the riots in Haiti. I used to go to Haiti three, four times a year at least. Three or four times a year. There's an orphanage down there I work directly with. There's a couple ministries I get the opportunity to work directly with. So at least three to four times a year, I would take a trip down to Haiti. The church would kind of sponsor and send me uh, a couple other individuals. We'd go down. We'd go to Haiti. Uh, we used to do building projects, but now another messy. I don't believe in building projects in other countries. They can build their own stuff. So now we go and we... Okay, here's a side note. Oh, let me explain. If I take a team down there to build let's say, build a shed. It's going to cost us 10 grand to go down and build a shed. What happens if I take that 10 grand and give it to the local community in the name of Christ? It's going to go a lot farther that way, won't it? That's what I mean. It's not worth me going down to build it when I can have them build it. I can empower them. I can, I can bless them. But there's a lot of contractors in foreign countries that could use the work. Just something to think about. That's a whole other sermon, though. It's not a bad thing to go down and paint and build, but I've gotten so caught up in doing that I forgot to just spend time with them. So now I just go down and I spend time with the kids. And I hold them, and literally I'll just sit on the picnic table and they'll climb on me. They just want affection, because when you're in an orphanage of 40 or 50 kids, and there's only three or four adults, what don't they get? Affection. So that's what we go into. But the bottom line is, I do this... Every so often, every time I come home from the trip, my church, they want a few things from me. They want pictures. They want stories. They want videos. They want to know what I did. They want to hear everything about that. Now I'm blessed to be able to work for a church full time. And working in a church is not always a beautiful looking thing. Sometimes I have to clean toilets. Sometimes I have to take out the trash. Oftentimes, I'm working with a, a very broken and hurting group of people in my church. I'm actively walking with people who are struggling with depression, who are struggling with anxiety. I'm often digging out boxes of food to give to those who don't have enough food. And that's becoming a bigger and bigger problem now. Often, I'll go out and I'll help widows downsize from their big house they share with their husband to a smaller house that they can manage on their own. These are all things that I do, among other things. Yet, at the end of the week, no one comes to me and says, hey, can you show me pictures of what you did? Can you show me a video of you cleaning the toilets? They don't care. They don't care about these things. We have put too great an emphasis on the things that are done far away and not enough emphasis on the things that can be done right here in our own towns and our own communities. And I'd be willing to bet there's a lot of you that think to yourself, I can't wait to go on a mission trip. I can't wait to go. 
I can't wait to go to Africa, or I can't wait to, to go to Haiti myself, to Dominican. I can't wait to go out there, or maybe even I can't wait to go across the country to minister in this. And you're making these big, grandiose plans to serve God somewhere else. And that is a good, that is a noble, that is a righteous thing, and I strongly encourage you to do that. You get the opportunities to see another country, by all means, go see another country. Serve the Lord while seeing another country. But if that is your only time of serving, then you're missing out on the calling that God has for your life. I think we as believers really need to hone in on what's really important. When God says, love your neighbor, he wasn't talking about the neighbor that's 4,000 miles away. He was talking about the neighbor next door, the neighbor you run into in the grocery store. There was nothing bigger than actually serving your neighbor who is your neighbor. At this age, when I was your age, I was trying to figure out my next steps, what I was going to do. And a lot of my focus was on, I, I played a lot of basketball, so I knew I was going to play ball in college, or at least I hoped I was going to play ball in college. So when I got into my sophomore, junior, senior year, that was my focus. was where am I going to play ball? Where, where am I going to get the most opportunity to play? To exp- I, I didn't care if I played at a Christian school. I didn't care. I just wanted to play ball at the next level. That was my whole entire focus. And I made a lot of sacrifices to be able to do that. Some of them I'm, I'm not proud of. A lot of it is, is good things. I missed out on parties because I wanted to work out and get better for basketball. I would uh, call in sick to work <coughs> so I could go and play and uh, train for more basketball. I would skip out on church so I could go, don't tell my parents, so I could go, they still don't know, I could go and play basketball. I made a lot of sacrifices to serve myself when I was your age. And if I had to go back and do it all over again, I would do things completely different. I'd be more intentional about my spiritual walk than I was then. If, again, I'm going to call it the counselor. Every single one of your counselors, every single one of your small group leaders, they probably have these regrets, like I wish I would have done this a lot sooner kind of moments. They'll all give that to you. That's part of walking with Christ. Some of you, last night, made a commitment to make this relationship with Jesus more real, to make it more significant in your day-to-day. When I ask you the question, what are you going to do now about Jesus, some of you said to yourself, perhaps you shared it with your counselor, I'm going to be more genuine moving forward. I'm going to spend more time learning and growing. Here's the deal. If you made a commitment to yourself, to your counselor, that you're going to do more when you get home, you're going to enhance your spiritual walk when you get home, here's what you need to do. Tell somebody. Tell your parents. Tell your youth leader. Tell your pastor. Tell someone that will celebrate that with you and someone who will help walk with you through that process. Someone who will help get you plugged in. Joshua, the leader of the Israelites, they were going through a bit of a struggle. They were coming at an impasse. A majority of the, the group, or, or, or there's like a split in the group, were starting to fall into the temptations and the desires to serve 
the gods of the lands, to serve the gods that they have uh, absorbed. Joshua was getting fed up with it. Because God made a promise to the nation, so long as you are faithful to me, you will thrive. You turn away from me, then harm is going to come to you. So Joshua wanted to make sure to his people, he said, look, this cannot happen. So he gets them together, he said, look, I want you to fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you'll serve. Whether the gods of your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And this is a great proclamation he makes. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua put them on notice. He said, I'm telling you right now in front of everybody, my house is going to serve the Lord. And basically what he's saying, he's saying, look, I'm going to set the example. Don't be afraid to follow me because I'm making a commitment right now. Young man, young lady, today, you have today, today to serve the Lord. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow is not promised to any of us. God wants you to serve him today. We can make these grandiose plans. Later on, I want to do this, I want to do that. But if you're not serving God today, in the here, in the present, then you're missing out. Proverbs 27.1, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. James puts it a little more bluntly. He expands on this thought. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. God has placed you where you are now for his purpose now. Mark 10, 45, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. This Jesus, the Son of God, had every right to come down, stand tall, and say, I am your God. Serve me. But he didn't come with that attitude. He came with humility. We all know the story. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. The Last Supper, washing feet. I don't know if you guys have ever washed feet before. It's nasty. But he did that. Normally that job was reserved for the lowest of the servants in the home would wash the feet of the people coming around the table. Everyone was so enthralled with themselves during this time that they forgot about the basic thing of just cleaning their feet before they come in. But Jesus washed their feet. Even the disciple that was going to turn his back on him, Jesus washed his feet too. I can't stress enough, guys, to serve God now. Find a place to serve in your church. Find a way in your school to be a light. I love the spoken word video that uh, was shown right in the middle of the songs. We need to be alert to who our neighbor is 
that we can share the love of God. Sometimes the love of God is a smile, a friendly face. Sometimes it's a hug. I'm not naturally a hugger per se. But if I see someone in need of a hug, I'll hug them. A kind word. You don't know how far these actions can go to bring someone through the darkness that they're in. In the, vi- in the video, the author Ezekiel Azanwu had this statement, and it was so powerful. He said, the most dangerous people walking on this planet are not terrorists. They are the people called by God, yet refuse to walk in his purpose. You guys have been given a great command by God to serve him. To go out and make disciples, to teach others what you know. And if you need assistance in that, you have your home church. Hopefully you have parents you can turn to. If not, there are spiritual leaders out there that will uh, be more than happy to help you in those situations. But can I encourage you, don't wait. Don't wait. My son, not this one, my other son, who can afford to buy video games when he wants to. He's, he can afford it, he just, he's just stingy with his cash. When a new game comes out, and you guys might be with it, what do you want to do? He's going to go to the store, he's going to wait in line, he anticipates, he knows what's going to happen. He's going to go out of his way to get this game. He wants to be one of the first ones to get it, one of the first ones to jump online, join whatever crew, whatever. He has a systematic plan in place. When this game comes out, I'm going to have it in my possession at this moment. I'll be online at this moment. You know, whether he lays it all out or not, you guys are, I mean, you're with me. I know you guys do the exact same thing. Spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to get a hold of this game and then how to play this game, and then go online, how to build his online cred in this game. Shouldn't we be more excited about the opportunities to serve God? Right now, you should be strategically planning, when I get home, how am I going to get engaged? How am I going to continue to build on this relationship with Jesus Christ? What is going to be different about my day-to-day that is going to honor God, and it's going to shine a light in this dark world that we all live in. What am I going to do to serve God in my present? And if you're given a tomorrow, serve him tomorrow. And if you're given another day, serve him that day. And if you miss a day, pick right back up and do it the next day. It's a beautiful thing about this Jesus, guys. It gives you a second chance, third chance, fourth chance. We'll keep going on and on. He loves you. He wants to walk with you. I have greatly appreciated the opportunity to kind of be your pastor for the week. I've got to know a lot of you, some more than I wanted to, but I did. I do love you guys. I do see some great potential for some churches to really catch a spark. 
there's nothing that will light a church on fire more than a teenager who is on fire for God. You guys can radically change the dynamic in your churches simply by your passion for Christ. I'm going to pray for you. This is the last time I get to do this uh, in, a, in the public setting this week. Uh, I am, uh, I'll be thinking about you guys for a while. Just be encouraged and find a way to serve God now. Don't wait. Let's pray. Father God, I, I uh, look out among 150 young people, most of whom claim to love you, most who claim to follow you, most who claim to be in love with you. And I pray that is so true. I pray that it is their heart's desire to chase after you. When they get home, they're running on high. They're physically exhausted, but spiritually full. God, keep that tank full. Keep bringing new individuals and people into their lives that can speak truth into them. God, give them opportunity to be a light. Give them an opportunity to serve. Continue to encourage them. For those that are going home to very difficult situations, help them find rest in you. Help them stay connected with their counselors who are, are going to continue to pray for them and encourage them. Thank you for bringing them to this place. Thank you for bringing them into my life. God, I pray they're encouraged by not my words, but your words, your words to go out and serve you now. God, your great, holy, matchless name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.